One of the most common questions I hear is which credit card should I get or which savings account should I get? Well, my friends over at Neo Financial are graciously supporting the show and they have you covered for both. I'm a huge fan of the Neo MasterCard, which gives you 4% plus cash back with things like DoorDash, most major grocery stores, and thousands of other partners that they have across Canada, plus a minimum of 1% cash back on absolutely everything else. With their savings account right now, you can earn 130,130 times more than what standard savings accounts across Canada are paying you, which is next to nothing. This company is as legit as they come, and they are the first formal sponsors of the New Money Podcast. So I would love for you guys to go check out the show notes, check them out, show them some love, and support those who support us and this show here. Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, the New Money Podcast, episode 114. Going to keep the intro nice and short today. We are releasing episodes on Monday as a reminder. If you're wondering why this is a little bit later, as usual, my friends, ask me any questions y'all got on Instagram. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave reviews, yada, yada. Today, got a fantastic guest, Michael Freed, CEO of Diamonds Pro. Man, this episode was mind-blowing. Like, I know nothing about diamonds and engagement rings and all that kind of stuff. And you might not give a shit about that kind of stuff right now, or you might be going through that right now. It's a one-time purchase. But I'm telling you, it's just some of the shit is just, like, so informative that we talked about today. And I just think it's, like, everybody, everybody whoever plans on being married someday or you know having a partner or anything like that or is even can remotely considering it right it, you know it has not completely ruled it out for their life needs to listen to this episode they need to it's not a want it's a need gotta check it out i learned so much i learned so much to the point where i'm like wow i know nothing i i know even less than i thought i did which is actually a good thing because now i kind of have an idea of what i would do uh, when that time comes which likely won't be for a long time uh, but you know you never know you want to stay informed but i'm telling you guys this is a need episode uh, because it's it, this you know fuck man this diamonds bury people like the engagement ring buries people they go into debt for this shit and like you know you know opinions aside like that's cr i think it's just crazy to, to go into massive amounts of debts before you've even started your life with your partner um, and so like we kind of just talk about that we talk about so many other different things i really think it's a great episode to just fucking throw on while you're driving just just so you're informed so without further ado my boy michael diamonds pro let's get into it baby i mean i'm like so this is really going to be a very curious episode because i know nothing about jewelry diamonds anything like that so why would you <laughs> why, why would i right exactly. I, I guess that's a good thing right yeah. how where is it usually sourced from um and and how do you sort of um what's the supply chain like look for that so I mean, the supply chain is a lot more diverse than uh most people think essentially the there's a, a few companies or countries around the world that have major uh resources of of raw diamonds uncut diamonds and they control the manufacturing, the, the, sorry, not the manufacturing, they control the mining side of the business. The most famous is De Beers by us, we're, they're called DTC. That's, that's the, the professional name for them. They, you know, if you watch Hollywood movies, you'll think that they control 100% of the business. It has not been that case uh, for at least 30 years. They don't even control half the business at this point. It's not even close to that. Russia has huge mining deposits of diamonds out in Siberia. Australia has quite a bit. Canada has has a lot of diamonds uh, up in uh, Yellowknife, I believe is where 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 they have the the diamond mines. And Brazil, even Brazil has some. 
And these um, mining groups essentially control uh, the mining operations or partner with companies to, to, to do all the mining. And then they sell them to the manufacturers, the people who cut and polish the diamonds. And those, those companies usually are referred to as site holders. The way, the way that it works is you need, you need to join that exclusive group of companies to be allowed the opportunity to purchase diamonds from the mining companies. And they will sell boxes of diamonds, you know, $5 million boxes, $1 million boxes, $10 million boxes, whatever the number is uh, of just rough uncut gems. They'll sell them as a box and those companies will then mine, will then polish them, cut them, and then sort them into qualities and sell them to the various, the various retailers. So with these companies, are, is, is diamonds just one of many different metals or uh, rocks that they, they mine for? Or are there dedicated mining companies like a diamond mining company that from start to finish like sells and produces them and is more you know i guess vertically integrated they're 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 it, it's a very unique specific uh, industry they don't deal in other businesses i worked for a diamond manufacturer for years i i did not know anything about emeralds rubies gold you know or, or whatever it is lithium that you're putting in your in your laptops we know nothing about those things. We're, we're very focused. Um, it, it doesn't really pay to be that diverse. It's a very specialized uh, business. What is the biggest mistakes that you see with consumers around diamonds? And I'm sure you have a laundry list. Um, <laughs> what what, what uh, kind of t- tell me a little bit about how some, some stuff that you typically see. I'll say that there are two major uh, misnomers. Uh, one is that you have to buy diamonds uh, to get engaged and i guess this is a two-part misnomer um where where are you based again sorry canada canada okay so i'm not completely familiar with the advertising there but it's it's very similar to the u.s and de beers did a fantastic job in the 40s and 50s with their diamond is forever campaign and essentially made engagement rings synonymous with diamonds and they've done a really good job at marketing that. And I'm not saying that diamonds haven't been used in, in his, throughout history, but it's not a necessity. Now, if, if your partner wants it, if you want it, that's great. But people talk about purchasing an engagement ring as if it's some sort of requirement, like paying taxes or you know, getting, uh, you know, getting insurance. It's, it's a luxury purchase. Even though there's a lot of societal pressure to purchase one, you guys should make that decision on your own. And especially when they talk about uh, the, the De Beers marketing, where they tell you that you should be spending two months salary. On the face of it, that's absurd. I get, I get questions all the time on our website. Is it true that the rule has changed from two months to three months? You know, yeah, the, the, the made up rule by De Beers that was trying to get you to spend more money has, you know, been increased. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just a ridiculous notion on the face of it. Usually when somebody's getting engaged, uh, they're starting an exciting new chapter of their life. They don't want, you know, you're going to be incurring expenses for the wedding. You're probably thinking about buying a house at that time. You might be starting a family. To, to think that you have this pressure to spend $10,000, $30,000 on a luxury purchase is, is absurd. You should be doing whatever's comfortable. And if you guys want to express your love through buying that, that jewelry piece, that's a great idea. But if you decide you don't want to, you would rather express that in a down payment on your house. That's also a great idea. So I'm not going to, we don't really uh, work with the industry 
line of marketing that you got to buy a diamond ring and you got to spend this amount of money. It, we're there to help people once they decided to buy a diamond, we help them get their best bang for their buck. That's incredible. And, and I think that's, that's, it's so intertwined in, in uh, society. I mean, I think I've seen so many videos online in, in the personal finance community kind of saying, hey, like you don't have to buy an engagement ring and the pushback they, they get. And I'm sure I might get for the podcast is insane. It's like, because it's so deeply rooted. And so would you say it, it really was in the you know 40s, 50s, 60s that really became ingrained? Like, I mean, typically was it just a wedding band before then? To be honest, I don't know what was before then. Uh, diamonds, diamonds are beautiful and they've always been one of the most iconic precious gems out there. And there are plenty of examples of diamonds being used in royal engagements and whatnot. And I'm sure people bought diamond rings before that, but this, you know, notion that every person who gets engaged uh, should be buying a diamond kind of it's, it's marketing driven. And uh, you know, that's great, great for our business, but I don't, you know, I don't need to be selling something to somebody that are helping somebody purchase something that they don't actually want to buy. Now, all that being said, we are products of our upbringing. We are products of our societal pressures and you can resist those pressures. I have certainly, you know, veered off the path that I, that I grew up on uh, tremendously in, in many different facets, but there are plenty of people out there that, that look at the diamond ring as a true testament to somebody's love. And it's not for me to tell that person that I think they're wrong. You know, if that's what you feel about it, that's great. And if, you know, this is probably not the hill that most guys want to die on when, when, when they're going through this process, I, I don't think you should be making it a big argument with your partner. I mean, people want what they want. You know, this is not, you know, it might not be the most rational decision, but, you know, expressing love and, and, and wanting to go through the whole marital process is not, is not a logical process. It's an emotional process. So I, well, I personally don't put much stock in, in diamonds from that, that point of view. You know, if I was getting engaged, I wouldn't feel that, uh, that pull to buy an engagement ring. I, I definitely understand where people are coming from and I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to fight that too much. So say I want to like, you know, I'm getting married and I commit to wanting a diamond. I'm like, yeah, you know, it might be a little bit marketing driven, but I, I want to get a diamond. Like, how do I educate myself as best as I can? And, and do I shop online? Do I go to like in store? Like kind of take me through, through the, the, the smart consumers process. We live in an online world. Uh, you're, you're quite younger than I am. <laughs> We see as as the years progress, we get we get a lot less emails from people saying I would never buy online. Uh, the online industry is a huge market. That's where we where we live and thrive on. Uh, that that's what our business model is based on. I I personally think you're better off purchasing online than you are in a store. Inherently, a store has way more overhead. They have to have that inventory sitting in a, in, in their showcases. That means they have to borrow money from a bank to pay for those pay for that inventory, the cost of cat, you know, of capital just sitting there dead weight in, in, in your showcases is, is a tremendous expense. You have to have salespeople, you have to have a nice retail location. Uh, a physical retailer has to be charging more money than a well-run online retailer. Most of the online retailers, at least the successful ones, they don't actually own the diamonds that they're selling. They're virtual uh, inventories from directly from the manufacturers who are polishing the diamonds. So they don't own a single diamond until you purchase it and then they get it directly. They have contracts with those companies 
and and they send it to you know they they send it to their to their jeweler and they they get it put together as an engagement ring. Uh, so you're you're saving money inherently by purchasing online. I also think that it's a better process, uh, a better uh, retail experience buying online. Most retailers, first of all, don't offer a full cash refund. At least physical brick and mortar retailers don't offer cash refunds. All the online retailers do. You walk into a store. Buying a diamond is, in, you know, there's many layers of complexity to, to, to the diamonds and what makes them valuable or less valuable. The, the chances of you as a one-time consumer walking in there, retaining all the knowledge necessary to not get screwed and end up, you know, with a nice diamond at a good price is very low. Like the, the probability of that happening is 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 incredibly low. Now you're relying on a salesperson whose their interests are not aligned with your interests. Especially we talked about the fact that they own diamonds and they're sitting in their in, in their inventory. If I owned a store, if I had a, a, a physical store and I had a million dollars worth of inventory, you walked in and you were clueless, I would have two priorities for you. One, to make you happy. Yes, I want to make you happy with that sale. But on the other hand, I have this million dollars worth of inventory. It's incredible. There's an incredible amount of pressure for me to take the least desirable diamond I have, which is going to sit in my inventory and be dead weight for years on my books and try to sell that to you. I have that as, as, as a business person. My, the best interest for my company is to move that diamond and get it off my books. But that might not be the same best interest that you have. The, the online retailers that we're talking about, they don't own their inventory. They don't own anything. So they don't care which diamond you select off of their feed. So I just think inherently you're going to get better value and there's going to be um, more confluence of interests when purchasing online. And the other thing is you get, to, you get to do it at your own pace. You get to sit there with a split screen. I have a massive monitor in front of me. I can have the diamonds from one of the retailers on, on one side of the screen. And I can have an informational website like mine on the other side. And I can be reading, well, what does this color mean? Why do I need to buy this color? Could I save money or not? And purchase whenever you want without a salesperson hovering over you. It does seem yeah. a lot better. What, how, how do you guys grade diamonds? Like, is there a grading system? Is there a quality system? How, like, what differentiates quality with a diamond? Uh, they're, they're, they're what's commonly called the, the four C's, which are cut, color, clarity, and carrot. Cut is the way that the diamond is, is cut. And based on the proportions of the diamond, that's how brilliant the diamond is going to be. Carrot is a unit of weight. So that's essentially the size of the diamond. And then color is how we're referring to white uh, or clear diamonds right now. Uh, so how clear the diamond is. There's a color scale and then there's a clarity scale which uh, tells you how many imperfections there are in the diamond. And at a certain point on that, on that clarity scale, you're going to have diamonds that will have noticeable inclusions and some will not. In general, first of all, and somebody like myself would say that there's five Cs. The most important C is the certificate. And that's an independent certificate. It should definitely be from the GIA or the AGS. Those are two major independent laboratories. There are other ones out there, but this way you have an objective third party giving you those grades. Uh, specifically, color and clarity are somewhat subjective. I can I can come away with that grade. I can look at a diamond on a, on an ultra white paper under lights, and I can give you an idea of what that color is. But I'm I'm a subjective person. I might have a different opinion than somebody else. These companies have very strict standards and try to be as consistent as possible. So when they say a quality is a certain 
quality, it's it's a pretty good bet that it is. When you buy a diamond, does it depreciate? Does it appreciate over time? You know, I mean, maybe that's more so market history, but like, let's say you were to buy a 30, 40, $50,000 diamond, like, is that going to retain its value or is it going to like, kind of tell me about that? So historically, diamonds have uh, increased in value every decade. Um, some people give pushback. They'll take a specific, uh, you know, seven or eight or nine or even even a 10 year period at the max where diamond prices were flat. But in general, diamonds have increased in value. For example, uh, from 2000 and 12 or 13, I don't remember the exact time till 2020, diamond prices were actually down a little bit. And some, and I've had people who, who look at our, uh, one of our articles who, you know, might have a different agenda and they're criticizing us and they'll say, well, look, you know, diamonds, it's an eight year period and the diamond prices are down, but diamond prices in 2012 went up almost hundred percent, 70 to 80%. And now in, from 2020 to 2021, ironically, COVID was very, uh, very good for the diamond industry and uh, prices have gone up tremendously in the last in the last year, you know, another 10, 15, 20 percent. So if you looked at that whole decade, you'd actually have, I'd, I'd say, overall, probably a 30, 40, 50 percent increase in, in value. Uh, that said, I would never recommend that somebody invest in a diamond. You know, you're a consumer. You're not you're not an investor in diamonds. You're not you're not me. Uh, I can walk into a wholesaler. I can look at those diamonds on my own and I can negotiate a price. You're walking into a retailer and you're you're paying retail price. There's retail markup. Uh, when you buy stocks, you don't pay a retail premium for a store. That's that's not the way it works. So you're losing, you're probably losing, if you're getting a good deal on the diamonds off the bat, if you're using, let's say, our advice and you're purchasing from one of the companies that we recommend, you'd probably lose 40% uh, just by purchasing the diamonds. And then historically, the diamonds will grow in value. So if you know you're, you're not looking for it as an investment, but in 10, 20 years, that that number will probably be back to where it was. It might even be a little higher. It could be there's you know you could probably deal with some audacious people or some some big personalities. What's what's some of the craziest stories that you've had in in your career in in uh, in this space? One of the weirdest stories I ever had uh, was. Uh, in 2007 or eight, during the time of the, the the big market crash, so I was working for for retailers, and they're obviously all luxury retailers were struggling at that point. A lot of companies went bankrupt at that point. Diamonds are sold usually on credit. That they definitely were at that point in in, in my career. Um, you know, people would pay 90 days later, and all of a sudden they owed companies hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they couldn't pay it. And I was uh, traveling uh, to Houston, actually, and I was visiting one of the retailers that I do business with. He owed our company money. We were there to negotiate. Maybe I would, you know, do something. I don't know. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, there was no like difficult. It was just everybody was struggling at that time. I, I completely understood his situation. And a girl in her early 20s walked in while I was there. They asked the owner to come out to speak to her. And apparently she had a diamond to sell. She was uh, an executive's mistress. He, she gave it to him. He gave it to her as a, as a gift. She had no interest in it. And it was a, an incredibly expensive diamond. The, the retailer that I was at, he's like, listen, I know I can buy this at a great, at a great price, but uh, I, I don't have any cash. I owe all you guys. So it wouldn't be right for me to spend my money here. So he asked me if I wanted to buy it. And I went down to her and I said, listen, the diamond that you have is worth $75,000 
but I can't afford to give that to you. And she asked me, what could I get? What could I give her? And I said, I can only give her $30,000. And she said, yes. And she said that every person she went to in Houston said that the diamond is worth $75,000, but I can't afford to give you anything right now because nobody had cash. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a retailer. I didn't own any diamonds myself. I was working for a larger corporation. So I bought the diamonds. I just wrote a check. I mean, this is back in the day. I, I haven't had a checkbook in 10 years since I live in Europe. Uh, I wrote a check. Before she even took the money, I already sold it to somebody in Manhattan, like one of the diamond dealers for $60,000. So it's just a, it was just such a bizarre experience there. Crazy. Yeah. And I could yeah. imagine that uh, really took a hit uh, around 08, 09. Like it was just. Yeah, it, it, it was it was uh, you can call it a market disruption. Yeah. A lot of consolidation. A lot of the big companies, a lot of the definitely a lot of the middlemen were squeezed out. And um, yeah, I actually walked away from the business at that point. Uh, I just I wasn't happy in the business for years before that, and I just uh, I I actually took off and was volu- traveling around the world volunteering on farms. Um, cool. And then uh, I started this company, or my actually the founder of our company is Ira. He he started the company and called me right away. He was a former colleague of mine, mm-hmm. and we we got it started in 2010 2011. Yeah. So tell me more about that. Like what, what's, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about it, but what's the vision for your company and, and kind of how, how have you guys scaled over the, uh, the, the past decade? So our, our goal is, and this is something that we always wanted to do is to uh, peel back the, the, the blinders of how the diamond industry works and try to give people as much information as possible so that they can get, they can get a good deal when purchasing. Um, when people ask me if I'm in New York and people ask me the question, like, you know, what do you do? I just say, well, I'm the Jewish friend in the business for the people who don't have a Jewish friend in the business. <laughs> um, I say that here in the Czech Republic as well. And people are very confused. They don't understand the joke, but we want to give people the information, not just, not just technical information. We tell them all the different qualities, but we want to tell them what's important, you know, which, you know, you can spend money. It's, it's, it's a zero sum game. There's like I mentioned before, there are four C's and anytime you increase the the size of a diamond or you increase the quality on any of the other scales within your budget, you're going to have to decrease those other things. And our goal is to help people find the right balance between those to fit their needs. You don't need the perfect color diamond. You don't need the, the, the completely flawless diamond. You know, what's the difference between a flawless diamond that has no imperfections and a diamond that has small imperfections that no human being can see with their naked eye. As, as a consumer, does it matter to you? You're going to show your ring, you know, when you get engaged, nobody can tell the difference, but that flawless diamond could be exponentially more expensive than the other one. So I would say, you know, you know, drop down in that quality to a certain point, as long as you don't see the inclusions, and then you can get a bigger diamond or you can save money. You can make sure that the diamond is well cut. So it has sparkle. Uh, so that's that. That's our real goal: is to really just help people understand what's important and what's not when purchasing a diamond. Uh, we also, I've done thousands of trips, uh, secret shopping, uh, different retailers to try to give them, you know, the best idea, like the experience. I pretend to be a consumer. I pretend that I know nothing about diamonds, and and then I tell people what that experience is like and where those retailers are doing it right. And when they're doing it wrong, you know, sometimes it's a very interesting experience. It's eye-opening to see uh, the different things that people say or do to try to sell you a diamond. 
And I like I like the fact that we're giving that information to people so that they that they're armed with tools to go in because you're you know nothing about diamonds and you're walking in against a shark. Did you ever see the movie Rounders? The, oh, the poker no, movie? I've, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. it it's a movie. Matt, Matt Damon's a professional poker player. He plays in these underground rooms. But there's this there's this scene in Atlantic City where these the, all these there's this four or five professional players that are all at the same table playing poker. And then in walk the people that are at conventions. They just walk in and sit down and they have no idea what's going on. And it's like sharks circling in the water. It's just, and that's that's what it's like when you walk into those places. And I'm not saying that that all salespeople are dishonest or, or whatnot, but they don't necessarily have the same interest in line. You can be a, a perfect, we have we have plenty of retailers that we've that we've written positive reviews on, companies that we have no uh, professional relationship with at all that we've given positive reviews because the experience was excellent, that they had well-educated uh, salespeople and they tried to sell us nice diamonds. You know, that, that, that's a great experience when I get that. And then there are quite a few that were uh, less than stellar. We're, we're purely an educational website. We do what's called affiliate marketing. Right. Uh, are you familiar with that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So essentially uh, for, for the people listening, uh, affiliate marketing is, internet-based uh, marketing where you, you're you're helping people, you're pushing a, a certain product or a retailer, uh, but you're not doing a PPC or a paid-per-click ad. What happens is, is you click on a link from our website and a cookie records that. And if you end up purchasing from that website, they, they end up giving us a commission after the fact. And you don't pay anything extra as the consumer. There's absolutely none of that going on. The price is the same, whether you're coming from our website or whether you're going on your own. And um, it's, it's a very effective uh, marketing uh, for, for something like diamonds uh, specifically. They're higher value purchases. I don't have to sell. I don't get 10 cent commissions because we're helping people buy $10,000 diamonds. I know that makes a ton of sense. And so what, what kinds of tools and resources are, are, are on your website? And then... Um, you know, is it, is it global? Like, are these things applicable to, you know, like if I check out a review on a certain uh, brand, uh, you know, are these things that anybody in the world could potentially buy or with an asterisk, like not every single country kind of thing? Uh, not, not every country. We focus on the English speaking countries just because for obvious reasons, those are the people that are going right. to find our website via Google. We were, we're all Google based or, you know, search engine based uh, for our information uh, I've done secret shopping trips to Canada a few times, been to the UK plenty of times. I'm, I'm based in Europe right now, so it's, it's really easy for me to go there. Uh, England, Ireland, uh, we've, we've done, actually my colleague Jenny, who's actually in the office right now, the two of us went to uh, Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia uh, on a big secret shopping trip that we probably were at, visited over a thousand stores on that one trip. Uh, it was exhausting, but uh, it's, uh, it helped us give out, get, get that information out there. But even if we don't have reviews for specific, uh, for specific retailers in your location, we have what, what we mainly focus on is educational content, where we're helping you understand the four C's and all the different facets of diamond buying. I don't like myself for that pun. Uh, and <laughs> also, uh, just we have guides that basically help you from point A to point B to point C. Uh, if you want to spend $10,000 on a ring, we have a $10,000 uh, engagement ring guide that will help you understand what's the best the best uh, bang for your buck in that particular range. If you're looking for a round diamond, if you're looking for a halo engagement ring, we have all that information on our website.
we have a few extra tools in there. Uh, we've actually developed an artificial, artificial intelligence model that will look at videos of diamonds and tell you whether that diamond's going to be eye clean or not. I, I personally think it's, a, it's an, interesting, uh, you know, an interesting avenue to help you uh, find a diamond online. You know, you're looking at these magnified images on, on the retailers uh, online, and you can't really tell if that inclusion that's in the diamond is going to be noticeable when you purchase it. So uh, we've, we've done that. Um, and yeah, we have, we, we have an answer for pretty much any question you'll have when purchasing an engagement ring. It's, it's so good that there's, there's, there's platforms like yours out there that really help consumers through that whole process and, and um, objectively kind of say, hey, this is, this is really kind of what it is and gives that, um, gives that clarity to it. And so I, I guess my last question, two, two questions for you. Um, when, if you had a minute to say, to give as much advice as you could to somebody listening to this in their purchase if they want to get a diamond, what would you say? Like, what are the, call it three or four things that they need to do to prepare themselves for that purchase? Uh, well, definitely visit our website, uh, <laughs> diamonds.pro. But uh, number one, make sure the diamond has a GIA or AGS certificate. Number two, take your time. Diamonds might be special. They might be unique, but there are so many out there. Don't walk into a store and feel pressured to buy that diamond. They, they keep telling you, oh, well, it might, it might disappear by the time you come back here. You'll be able to get a diamond unless you're looking for, you know, a $2 million pink diamond that looks like, you know, JLo's first engagement ring or whatever. There's, there, there are plenty others where, where that one came from. Uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to feel that pressure. Or you should resist that pressure from the salesperson. Uh, number three understand exactly what you want and don't get pulled into the equation of more. Don't, don't think, oh, well, if I just increase my budget 10%, then I can get this diamond that's just a little better. Because then you're going to get to that point and you're going to be like, oh, well, I can still get something that's a little better. And, and, and there's no end in sight for that. Settle on your budget before you walk in to any store and just stick with it. They, there's no reason why anybody in the diamond industry can't find you a beautiful engagement ring for any price point. Or the last piece of advice that I would uh, leave for people is to consider lab-grown diamonds. That's a, that's a new aspect to the diamond industry. They are cheaper. They're same in physical characteristic to natural ones. Some people don't want to go that route because they don't have the same aura as natural diamonds. And as I mentioned before, buying a diamond is an emotional process and you shouldn't push back too much on that. But if you and your partner think that buying a lab-grown diamond is a great idea, then go for it. You save a lot of money for doing that. Yeah, that's amazing. So lab-grown, is it, is it, is it um, just uh, synthetic? Is it like a sort of um, different yeah. material? No, it's the same exact material. Uh, diamonds are, uh, are basically carbon, uh, carbon that's uh, pressurized uh, with immense heat, immense pressure, and diamond crystals are formed. You can do that nat naturally uh, under the surface of the earth. And that's been there for millions and billions of years. Or, you know, you can do it in a laboratory. That technology has always has been there for quite some time. But uh, at this point, for the last few years, it's, it's finally at a, at a point where the economies of scale and the technology is, has dropped in price. 
that it makes it a, a financially attractive option for people. I'm not getting married anytime soon, but that seems very uh, good to me. I mean, right? there, there's a rabbit hole that you can go down there. I mean, there are companies out there that will immortalize your grandma or your cat and turn oh, them man. into a diamond. Um, really? wow. I've had crap. I've had people ask us about that, and I, I just I don't touch that with a ten foot pole. Like that's just something I'm staying away from. But yeah, you can use any carbon and 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 get the job done. I <laughs> yeah, any, well, I guess we all just are carbon, eh? Like carbon exactly. based uh, life forms. But yeah, honestly, Michael, I really really appreciate it. I guess the last question I uh, I have for you is, you know, just just thinking back on the past decade and and your career in total, like what's one thing that you think made you successful and and what do you think really sets i mean there's a number of things obviously but what what's the most important thing to you uh, that really led to your success luck and privilege aside i was very fortunate that i got a training my uncle was in the business and i, I managed to get a job and, and become a diamond expert i think um something that people should appreciate uh during the last decade i definitely started before that but it's really taken off now is the fact that you can divorce industry expertise from the actual industry. You know, this is something nobody ever had access before to an expert that was able to talk about diamonds that wasn't trying to sell them a diamond, that didn't have a diamond sitting in front of them and saying, oh, no, no, buy this. It's really good because my expertise is telling you that. You can actually get information and, and people should start. I, I, I think that's a very good avenue with the internet, with social media, where people can actually get out there and give you knowledge that, that that was never available to end consumers before this. Thank you so much. I, I feel like I actually really, really learned so much. Every question I felt like I, I really kind of have an idea of where I would start or, you know, how I would navigate this process. So uh, thank you so much. And, and really quickly, just uh, tell, tell the folks a little bit more about uh, where exactly they can find you, your socials, everything. So, yeah, I mean, uh, all of our information is on our website, diamonds.pro. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel, Diamond Pro, uh, the Diamond Pro, and our Instagram is Diamond Pro Official. Um, but yeah, you feel free to to go to our website, look at all of our information. You can even contact us directly. And uh, at this point, we have a few diamond experts here that will answer your personal questions and actually pick out a diamond for you, help help you through the process, answer any question that you have. So amazing. Amazing. Well, Michael, thank you so much. I'm sure they're going to love you and I'm sure they're going to feel confident and uh, we'll have to chat again soon. Sounds good. So there you have it, my friends. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Mike was just killer, man. Like I, like I said, just such a dope episode. Learned so much. The four C's, you know, the, the buying process, how it's sourced, like just like, I mean, I don't know. I just was like really engaged and it's been a long time since I've had an interview uh, for you guys on the show. I'm trying to just do more, um, you know, educational stuff, get you guys going. And, and I, I like, to be honest, I like that more. Um, and I also really love interviews too. Um, you know, so we're going to, that's why we're back. We're back. We're mixing it up. Right. So I uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Appreciate y'all again. I always got to say that I love y'all, but for now I'm out this mother. Peace.